Are you concerned that your child might be too young to understand what it means to obey? Do you find yourself saying things like, oh, he's just tired, or she's just hungry, when your child acts out? Do you ever want to hide in the dressing room at Target because your kids act out more in public than when you're at home? Well, first of all, you're not alone. And second of all, we're so glad you're joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Katie Morgan, and welcome to Parenting with Ginger Hubbard. Ginger is the best-selling author of Don't Make Me Count to Three, Wise Words for Moms, and I Can't Believe You Just Said That. She speaks at women's events, parenting conferences, and homeschool conventions across the country. You can check out her parenting resources and find out when she's speaking in or near your area at gingerhubbard.com. And while you're there, please be sure to sign up for updates so you'll always know about new podcast episodes. You'll also receive a free gift from Ginger when you sign up. Before we get started on today's episode, here's a quick word from our sponsor. I read something online recently that really pricked my heart. It said, the church should handle adoption and caring for the fatherless like we handle the Great Commission. While not everyone is called to adopt, everyone does play a role in caring for the fatherless. Friends, this is why Ginger and I are thrilled to share more about our sponsor, Lifeline Children's Services. Lifeline believes that adoption is one way that God provides families for vulnerable children who need to know the love of Christ and the love of a family. They walk with foster and adoptive families and provide them with parent coaching, educational services, and professional counseling so they can better nurture and disciple their children. Whether you're a foster or adoptive family who could use support services, or if, like my family, you want to support those who have opened their homes to these precious children, you can find out more at lifelinechild.org. Again, that's lifelinechild.org. Lifeline brings gospel hope to vulnerable children. Well, hello again, Ginger. I'm so excited to be back for another episode. We've had an incredible response to the podcast so far, and it's just been a huge encouragement to hear from parents who have been encouraged by our show. It really has been so encouraging to hear the responses from our listeners. We've had lots of emails and lots of messages come in through Instagram And as some of you guys may know, this is my really busy travel and speaking season. So it's been an added blessing to have so many parents tell me in person at these events what a positive difference our podcast is making in their families. And we just want to say praise be to God Mm -hmm. for that. Katie, you were with me at Teach Them Diligently uh, in Nashville. So I know you were blessed, too, to get to hear some of the specifics of how God is using our work here to encourage so many families. Absolutely. We're also uh, now getting emails, not just from all over the country, but from all over the world with testimonies of how God is using this podcast to help parents reach the hearts of their children for His glory. So again, we praise Him for it, and we are so thankful for every email, every word of encouragement, and every rating and review, because it's these responses from you, our listeners, that is what that's what motivates us to keep going. Mm-hmm. And please keep those ratings and reviews coming wherever you listen to podcasts, because that really does help us get the word out. We want to bring biblical counsel and practical advice and encouragement to as many parents as we can. So thank you, listeners, for helping us spread the word. Well, speaking of reviews, Ginger, I'd like to read one on Apple Podcasts from a listener whose handle is BurgeClan06. And she said, thank you, Ginger, for being obedient and starting this podcast to teach the future generations. I read your book, and she's talking about Don't Make Me Count to Three, 10 years ago, and our women's Bible study used it for a parenting class in fall of 2019. Love, love, love your insight and life lessons. Hmm. I am raising infants to preteens, and the training gets exhausting. I need regular reminders that it is worth it 
and that motherhood is a calling. Mm, love it. I just love that review. And thank you to all of you who have left us ratings and reviews wherever you're listening. We read every single one of them. And it truly just does bring us so much joy to know how God has used our podcast to encourage you. Mm, absolutely. Before we jump into today's topic, though, I want to get Ginger to tell you about a really exciting giveaway she's doing on Instagram right now so that you guys don't miss out. Yes, in celebration of Mother's Day, which is right around the corner now, on Instagram, I'm giving away two bundles of all of my resources, one for the winner and one for the friend that the winner tags in the comments. And of course, it's like all the giveaways, where the more friends you tag, the better your chances for winning. Super easy to enter. Just follow me on Instagram, which is at ginger.hubbard, and tag your friends in the comments. And I'll be announcing the two winners on Instagram on Mother's Day. You really don't want to miss out on this chance to win a bundle of all of Ginger resources for you and a friend. So again, follow Ginger on Instagram at ginger.hubbard. And remember, the more friends you tag, the better your chance of winning. So tag away. Okay, let's jump into today's topic on disobedience and the various excuses we might have as parents for allowing it. Uh, Ginger, you and I have both heard from many parents already who have asked questions about how and when to require obedience in their children. So it, it sort of seems like this can be a gray area, for many of us. So let's jump right in. Excuse number one that we sometimes hear is this. My child just isn't old enough to understand the word no and what it means to obey. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I can understand why we might want to cling to that excuse for not training and instructing our little ones in those early months and years because because of their lack of comprehension and vocabulary. Of course, they're not born with an understanding of what the word no means and what the word obey means. So because of their lack of understanding, it's easy for us to convince ourselves that our nine or 10 month old is just too young to learn that, no, he's not allowed to crawl into the bathroom and unspool all the toilet paper from the roll. Or <laughs> no, he's not allowed to pull everything off the end tables. So instead of telling the child no and teaching him the meaning of the word, we run around behind him cleaning up his messes, or we manipulate his environment by closing the bathroom door or removing the items from the end tables and putting them out of reach. But here's the thing. If my nine or 10 month old is old enough to do something that requires me to tell him no, then he's old enough to learn what the word no means. Mm. It's funny. I've heard moms brag about how smart their babies are. Their six-month-old can wave bye-bye and clap his hands and play pat-a-cake. And then by eight months old, he has an enormous understanding of vocabulary. He responds to instructions like, come to mommy, blow kisses, hug your teddy bear and see the plane and all of those sorts of things. Yet these same moms who brag about how smart their babies are say, oh, he's just too young to understand the word no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. That's really funny, Ginger, because when our oldest was six months old, he could crawl over to my iPad, swipe to unlock it, swipe to find the folder with his favorite apps, <laughs> click on the folder, and then open the app of his choice, and then proceed to play with it, which we let him do a lot more than we probably should have at that age. Oh, that really <laughs> makes me realize just how much times have changed since mine were little. But you know, I bet I would have had the same thought as many others have expressed to you, and I probably didn't, just don't remember. You know, I just don't think he's old enough to understand what no means. Yeah, and I do get that, but, but let's think about it. How do they learn the meaning of words? They learn the meaning of words when those words are presented to them in the context of the moment. Mm -hmm. They learn that mama is mama and dada is dada because those two people stand over their crib smiling and saying those words over and over. And then when the baby finally utters those words, mama and dada respond with joy and excitement and hugs and kisses of affirmation. And that just all the more confirms the definition of who these people are. And 
It's the same with the word no. When it's taught in the context of the moment, it doesn't take long for the definition to become clear. Mm. I've had mamas ask me, when is it okay for me to correct my little one for disobeying and touching something that's off limits? Well, to me, the answer is obvious. When they disobey and touch something that's off limits. <laughs> if they're old enough to disobey, then they're old enough to be taught to obey. I remember the first time Wesley, my firstborn, learned the word no. He was still crawling and wasn't verbal at all. So he was probably nine or 10 months old. I really don't remember his exact age. I just know that he wasn't walking or talking yet. So he was definitely under a year. And he was playing with his toys in the living room when all of a sudden he became completely fascinated with the electrical outlet. So he (laughs) did what curious crawlers do. He made his way over to the outlet and tried to stick his finger in it. And this was the first time that I had reason to tell him no. So I walked over to where he was and I knelt down and I firmly removed his hand and I said, no. Then I picked him up and I placed him right back over to the area where his toys were. Well, let me tell you something. It was obvious by the look on his face and the determination of how fast he made his way back over to that (laughs) outlet while staring at me that he already knew the meaning of the word no just from that one encounter. Mm -hmm. And I'm talking about a determined, challenging, defiant stare. (laughs) Very obvious. (laughs) And he was so determined and crawling so fast that he actually beat me back over to the outlet and started trying to stick his finger in again. So I ran back over and this time I lightly popped his hand and I firmly removed it. And I said, no, you need to obey. And then I moved him back over to where his toys were again. Well, at this point, it was on. (laughs) Cage match. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's now fired up mad because not only does he completely understand the word no, but he's not very fond of it either. (laughs) So he quickly crawled right back over to that outlet again. And then I realized that I was smack dab in the middle of a full-on power struggle with someone who was still in diapers. (laughs) And I was losing. (laughs) You know, one thing, Katie, I started praying before I got out of bed and before my feet hit the floor every morning once I had kids was, Lord, help me to be wiser than my kids today. Amen. Yeah. And little did I know that the Lord would need to answer that prayer before my firstborn could even walk. (laughs) So I knew it wasn't wise for me to continue in a power struggle with a nine-month-old. So this time I did the same thing because kids learn by repetition. I lightly popped his hand and I firmly moved it away and I said, no, you need to obey. But then this time I wanted to eliminate that power struggle. So instead of putting him back where his toys were to where he could crawl right back over to the outlet, which is he had already proven that's exactly what he would do. I carried him to his room and I deposited him in his crib (laughs) and I repeated those same words again so that he would relay the consequences to the crime. I said, no, you need to obey. And then I left the room while he proceeded to throw an all-out temper tantrum for I don't remember how long, but I waited uh, for for him to wear himself out. And then I went back into his room and I hugged him and I cuddled with him and I sweetly said, I love you. You need to obey. Mm. And from that day forward, he fully understood what the words know and obey meant. Now, certainly he still tested the boundaries sometimes just to make sure that they were still intact. That's right. But after that one encounter, he without question understood what the word know and the concept of obeying and disobeying meant. So again, rule of thumb, if they're old enough to disobey, then they're old enough to be taught to obey. 
And let me just add here that when I say I popped his hand before I get a bunch of hate mail. (laughs) If it's not not already been sent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm not talking about busting a blood vessel here or leaving a bruise or even a red mark. It was more of an attention getter. Mm -hmm. It was done with self-control and love and with a gentle voice. And it was motivated out of a concern for his safety. Better that he experienced the mild sting of a loving pop on his hand than to be electrocuted. Mm -hmm. And of course, uh, we had those safety things in the electrical outlets for his protection. But I wanted him to recognize electrical outlets as something that he was not allowed to tamper with no matter where we were. Because not everybody has those safety things. Mm. What are those things even called? I'm, I'm sure they're not called safety things. Oh, yeah. Those are called two-pronged nail rippers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> every every time I remove one of those stupid things, it rips my fingernails off. I hate those things. So you know what I do is I get a screwdriver to pop it off, which is super safe. Oh, okay. brilliant. You're just Brilliant. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Well, we've established <laughs> that a child who is old enough to disobey is old enough to learn to obey. So now let's talk about excuse number two. Uh, my child is only acting this way because we're not at home. <laughs> mm, yeah. hear that one a lot. We need to understand that our children's disobedience comes from their hearts, not from a change in the environment. Ouch. Okay. Say that one again. <laughs> mm. Our children's disobedience comes from their hearts, not from a change in environment. Mm. Psalm 51.5 says, Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. It does not say, Surely I was sinful at birth, but only given the right set of circumstances or a particular (laughs) environment. So when we're away from home, we shouldn't blame the new setting on our children's disobedience. Mm. Our word should be obeyed wherever we are whether we're shopping or at the zoo or at a friend's house or even at grandma's house. Okay. So not to try to get myself off the hook here, but I'd like for you to repeat that part again in case my kids' grandparents are listening. Um, Are you saying (laughs) that our kids should obey their parents even when they're at their grandparents' houses? (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And, you know, I know, I know for sure. It's really hard to discipline when the grandparents are around. I remember one time when Alex disobeyed my, at my parents' house and as soon soon as my dad realized that she was about to be disciplined, he picked her up and took off running. That's so my dad. Which totally made me the bad guy, and daddy gets to be the hero of the day. But thankfully, that was just a one-time thing. My parents are really awesome. They actually listened to some of the biblical parenting seminars that I was listening to as my kids were growing up, just so that they could be supportive. I really have amazing parents who also became amazing grandparents in every sense of the word. And so I'm I'm really thankful for them. Well, Ginger, I actually am too. And we, we have been so blessed with all of our parents who want to help our kids honor my husband and me by encouraging our children to be obedient to us. But I have heard horror stories of grandparents who allow and maybe even encourage their grandchildren to disobey their parents as if it's some sort of fun game to do, you know, when they're at their grandparents' house. Mm. Um, I know mommy and daddy won't let you do this, but you're at our house now, Um, even if the parents are standing right there. So it's gone so Mm. far that I've seen embroidered pillows that make light of it. You know, what happens at grandma stays at grandma's and stuff Mm. like that. I I just, I've never liked that sentiment because Mm -hmm. I think it's subtly or even, you know, not too subtly if you're embroidering it on a pillow, Mm -hmm. um, undermines parental authority. So it communicates to the child that what's off limits at home is okay here as long as mom and dad don't know. And that can just be really 
damaging to all the relationships involved. Mm, absolutely. So maybe we need an episode called When Grandparents Excuse Disobedience. But um, yeah, no. I know we're going to get hate mail about this. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I can feel it. Maybe we should edit this out about the grandparents. <laughs> no, I don't think we should because I actually, I, I think and I hope that grandparents are encouraged by this episode mm. because I think that we can safely say that a grandparent's love for their grandchildren is such a precious and special thing. Absolutely. I mean, my kids would quickly tell you that their relationship with their grandparents has always been and is still one of the greatest blessings in their lives. Mm-hmm. And because my parents saw the value of me training my kids in biblical obedience, and because they understood that that training was 100% in their best interest, they were very supportive. Mm-hmm. Now, they didn't like to be around when the consequences were being administered. They didn't want to see that go down, but I get that, and that was okay. Having their support was enough, and I know we're getting a little off topic here, but because my parents were supportive of their grandkids being trained in obedience and self-control, I gave a lot of grace when it came to my parents spoiling my kids sometimes. Mm -hmm. I think that's a grandparent's prerogative, as long as it's the right kind of spoiling, and not going to encourage disobedience or bad character Absolutely. or anything like that. I don't know if you and your family have jumped on the monthly membership bandwagon, but my family really has. There are several that we get super excited about, but one of my kids' absolute favorites is called Dwell. Dwell is a monthly membership of scripture designs to help you and your family memorize one Bible verse every month. So we have what's called the Family and Friends Membership, and it includes a four by five and a half print of the scripture verse, two key cards with the verse, and this is my favorite part, nine temporary tattoos. The designs are just beautiful, and I think this is a perfect Christmas or a birthday gift that doesn't include just more plastic stuff laying around the house. Actually, I have a funny story about my dwell tattoo. I was having dinner with my parents one night, and I had one on my wrist because we were learning John 8.36. Well, my dad saw it and asked if I had a new tattoo on my arm. And I was like, yeah, dad, I've had this for almost 10 years. (laughs) And he said, well, I never noticed that before. (laughs) And then I had to confess that I lied to my dad about a fake scripture tattoo. So, you know, don't be like me. To learn more about this wonderful way to help you and your family hide God's word in your heart, go to dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10 to get 10% off your order. Again, that's dwelldifferently.com and use the code GINGER10. One of our most hilarious church moments happened before COVID, you know, back when we were allowed to sit next to people. Well, my son had brought his favorite Lightning McQueen car with him that particular Sunday. We were sitting in the middle of our very large church, so literally thousands of people, when suddenly lightning hit the floor and he rolled and he rolled and he rolled all the way to the front of the church. And then some amazing person at the front, probably a dad, just picked up the car and without even looking back, he just passed it over his shoulder to the row behind him. And that person passed it back and back all the way until lightning was returned and my face was pretty much as red as that car. That story is one of the main reasons I'm so excited to share more about our sponsor, Not Consumed. Not Consumed is a family-owned ministry with dozens of products to help you and your family grow in faith. Their Bible studies for kids and families are amazing and so helpful. I love the one entitled My Brother's Keeper. But my favorite product is the Sermon Notebook. I just love that this is a way for our kids, as young as four years old even, to stay engaged with the sermon rather than distracting the entire church. 
To find out more about Not Consumed Ministries' incredible catalog of products and to download their free family Bible study, just visit notconsumed.com slash ginger. Again, that's notconsumed.com slash ginger. When my kids were little and even on up until their early teen years, they spent the night with my parents every Tuesday night, and those nights are among my kids' favorite memories growing up. One reason being that they got to do all sorts of special things at Nana and Papa's house that they were not allowed to do at home. (laughs) They got to stay up way too late, watch way too many episodes of Andy Griffith in one (laughs) sitting that I allowed, and wait for it. Their breakfast menu every Wednesday morning, without exception, was a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, Reese's Cups, and a tall glass of Coke. Oh, wow. Let me tell Mm. you, they were living it up at Nana and Papa's house. (laughs) And they were typically hyped up on sugar by the time I picked them up Mm. around 10 the next morning to take them home to do their schoolwork. (laughs) So let's just say that I made sure that workload was very light on Wednesdays because they were pretty much bouncing off the walls. Oh, wow. Did Nana and Papa have a budget for cavity prevention as well? (laughs) Do they pitch in on that? (laughs) (laughs) Nah, I think a good old-fashioned sugar high every now and then never hurt anyone. (laughs) I have no regrets at all of letting my parents spoil their grandkids Mm. in those special ways, because when it came to the heart lessons of biblical obedience and encouraging godly character, my parents wanted God's will and God's best and God's blessings for their grandchildren. Mm. So they supported the parts of parenting that aren't very fun, but that are necessary for training kids to honor and obey their parents in a way that pleases the Lord. Mm. Okay, so I think we have ridden that derailed bandwagon long enough, so I think we need to get back to young kids learning about the world no and the importance of obedience and how parents can avoid power struggles when kids disobey in public. Mm-hmm. So I remember one time heading into a power struggle with Wesley in the grocery store when he was little. He kept reaching from the cart, uh, or as we say sometimes here in the South, the buggy. It is the buggy. (laughs) The buggy. And trying to pull things from the shelves. And when I told him no, he decided to test the limits to see if I meant business with my nose (laughs) even out in public. and Because he knew that consequences for disobedience were a sure thing at home. But might he get his own way when we're not at home? (laughs) So because our children are self-centered by nature, just as we are, and they want what they want when they want it, most kids are more than willing to put the toe over the line to test the boundaries. So Wesley kept trying to grab things from the shelves in the grocery store, and I responded every time by firmly moving his hand and saying, no, you need to obey. And then it became apparent that this was a hill on which he was willing to die. (laughs) In other words, the battle was on. (laughs) He had put all his bets on the table and he was gambling to win. Mm -hmm. So I knew that this was a really pivotal moment for both of us and I knew what I had to do. So I walked up to the cashier with a full cart of groceries while Wesley was throwing a full-blown temper tantrum. And I said, I'm so sorry for the inconvenience, but if you don't mind, would you put the milk and the eggs back and leave the rest of my groceries in the cart and I'll be back as soon as I can. Mm. And once we were alone, and by alone, that really depended on his age. When he was really little and had a you know super short attention span, his disobedience needed to be addressed as quickly as possible. So alone meant just finding a secluded place to park the car where I could take time to lovingly and calmly address his defiance in private. Mm. But when he or, or my daughter Alex were older and had longer attention spans and can remember the offense for longer periods of time, uh, Then they got to experience that dreaded ride home to pay the piper. (laughs) (laughs) But either way, 
what they both learned is that there were consequences for disobedience regardless of the setting, regardless of the environment or the circumstances. Mm. And you want to know how many times I had to leave a full cart of groceries for my kids to learn the certainty of consequences for disobedience, even when we were out in public? Hopefully. Not many. Okay. I was about to say, hopefully not too many. <laughs> yeah, not many. Now that I think about it with Wes, I'm pretty sure that it was just that one time in the grocery store and then maybe once or twice in a restaurant. Mm. But not with Alex. She was my push the envelope, take it to the limit, one toe over the line child. <laughs> so it took a handful of times for her to be assured that my no meant no, even when we were not at home. Mm. And sure, you know, those times of leaving a grocery store or leaving restaurants, those were huge inconveniences for me. But being willing to leave those few times and address that disobedience head on saved a multitude of inconveniences in the long run. Mm. And more importantly, it taught my kids that their mom was committed to training them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It taught them that I love them so much that training them to live in God's will for their lives was more important to me than being inconvenienced. As Christian parents, we want God's will, which is God's best for our kids. Well, God's will and God's best, according to Colossians 3.20 and Deuteronomy 5.16, is for children to obey their parents. Oh, Ginger, that is so great. You know, it's not easy to follow through with discipline and administering consequences when we're out in public. But I heard a really great story recently that reminded me of your story about Wesley. Ginger, you and I heard this from Sonia Schaefer of Simply Charlotte Mason, um, at the Teach Them Diligently conference in Nashville this past March. She has such helpful parenting and homeschooling information, and her podcast is called Simply Charlotte Mason Homeschooling. Anyway, this particular session was about using consequences effectively, and she told a story about one mom who actually coordinated with a friend to allow her child to suffer the consequences of his poor behavior while he was in the grocery store. I'm going to try to remember the details. I did take notes, um, but the gist of the story was The child was continually a problem during grocery store trips. So he would act out, and that mom was just totally unsuccessful in all of her attempts to correct his behavior. So she got really creative, and she had a friend, a very good friend, as the story will show, (laughs) on standby. So this friend actually waited in the parking lot in her own vehicle, and when the child predictably acted out in the grocery store, the mom asked, she gave him a choice. She said, would you like to use self-control Or would you like to go home? And you can probably guess what happened next. So that little boy thought he was going to call his mom's bluff. So he said, I want to go home. So she took him to the parking lot to her friend who was waiting there. And her friend drove this little boy home while the mom finished her grocery shopping. I love this story Mm -hmm. so much because, well, here's the best part. After she had finished her grocery shopping, the mom went to her son. She got home and um, her son was still unrepentant. And so she asked, how do you plan to repay your babysitter for her time? Mm-hmm. That was my favorite part, too. I, I was know. like, boom. That was brilliant. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it shows that mom's willingness to follow through with the consequences for her mm-hmm. son. And that was Sonia Schaefer's whole point in telling the story. She encouraged us to make sure that we are willing to follow through with appropriate consequences. Mm-hmm. And I think that's especially difficult to do when we're not at home. Now, let's go beyond outward behavior and consequences here and talk about how to address the heart. So, Ginger, this is the crux of all of your teaching, reaching the hearts of our children. So, how do heart-probing questions need to happen on aisle four, for instance? Like, how do you do that in the grocery store? 
Yeah, I want to tell that, but you know what? Hang on, Katie. Since we're talking about Sonia Schaefer, I just have to tell the story oh, of what happened when yeah. I actually got to meet her in Arkansas the weekend after you and I heard her speak in Tennessee. So for our listeners, just a little background here. Katie has always been a huge fan of Sonia's mm-hmm. and her Simply Charlotte Mason approach to homeschooling. So she talked me into going with her to hear Sonia speak at one of her sessions. And after I heard Sonia speak about ways to use consequences effectively, Katie, what was the actual name of that session we went to? It was that. It was using consequences effectively. And it was great. It was so good. It really was. It was awesome. So after I heard that session, I was actually ready to give Katie a run for her money as far as being Sonia's number one fan. (laughs) And I was dying to meet her. But Katie and I never could catch up with her in her booth in Tennessee. So I was thrilled when I finally got to meet and talk with her in Arkansas that next weekend. And I was even more thrilled when she said that she was interested in having me as a guest on her podcast. Mm -hmm. Yay. So she gave me her business card and told me to contact her after the event. Well, then I went to the bathroom, and before I sat on the toilet, I pulled my phone out of my back pocket, and apparently her card fell out because to my horror, I flushed the toilet, and lo and behold, what did I see but Sonia's card swirling around in the toilet bowl. <laughs> Better than about your phone, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, About to disappear forever. So full-on panic set in, and these two choices flashed in my head. Do I go back and tell Sonia Schaefer that I flushed her business card down the toilet? Or do I stick my hand in the swirling pee? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I've never been one to make a good knee-jerk decision. So I opted for choice number two. And I did get a lot of strange looks from some folks at the sink as I was repeatedly soaping up and rinsing a business card. (laughs) But I was actually pretty quick on my feet with that explanation. I just Uh, smiled at everyone and said, you know, you can never be too safe with this COVID mess going around. (laughs) (laughs) But then I noticed as I was scrubbing these card, this card, I noticed that the writing was starting to fade. So then I panicked even more, pressed it between two paper towels, ran up to my hotel room and dried it with my hairdryer. Oh, Cleanest man. business card I've ever had. <laughs> <laughs> but what's so funny is I actually wound up telling Sonia all about what happened anyway, which totally defeated the purpose of the whole fiasco. Oh, and then, well, you have to tell the rest of the story because to make matters worse, you know, Ginger told me about the whole ordeal. So later that night, I had a dream about Sonia a really weird dream. So she, <laughs> this is so strange. She was my masseuse, which is weird enough by itself, but then a bull was running around upstairs at her house. And so, you know, she had to leave during the massage, which was so unprofessional of her, and go try to catch this bull <laughs> running around upstairs. So I sent Ginger a message on Voxer telling her all about my dream. And then she went and played it for Sonia. So Ginger, let's just not be surprised if this is a don't call us, we'll call you situation now that we've just put this all out there. <laughs> I know, I'm not holding my breath. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> okay, so we've derailed again. Here we go. And our listeners are going to unsubscribe if we don't talk about what they came to hear. I know, I know. Uh, but I actually don't even remember what we were talking about now. Oh, Where we were, were talking we? about when parents excuse disobedience. First of all, that's the overall. Uh, more specifically, we're talking about how to reach the hearts of our children uh, when we're on aisle four at the grocery store. Oh, that's right. Because our ultimate goal is to help our children recognize that their sinful behavior stems from their sinful hearts and that Jesus is the only cure for that sinfulness. Mm-hmm. And as they get older, consequences are really only a very small part of training children. It's it's so much more about teaching them how to evaluate their hearts and encouraging them to depend on Jesus to purify their hearts and to live in the transformational power of His grace. Mm. And as I often say, it's heart-probing questions that 
really can aid us in doing that. But when they're really young, as in they're so young that they can't intellectually process and answer those heart probing questions because of limited comprehension and communication skills, it basically just boils down to them learning to obey and that there are consequences when they don't obey. Mm. So before they learn those verbal skills and how to process their thoughts and feelings and responses to the point that we can help them evaluate and take responsibility for the sin in their own hearts, it's basically just a cut and dry issue of obedience. Mm. It's a matter of teaching them the law of the harvest, that God has built the principle of sowing and reaping into their worlds. So back to Wesley in the grocery store. Because he wasn't verbal at all yet, it was just about me teaching him and helping him learn that no, you need to obey means no, you need to obey. And if you don't obey, it's not going to go well with you. (laughs) And parents, this is a lesson that our kids can catch on to pretty quickly when we're consistent in teaching it. Mm. Now, if it's an older child who is verbal and is able to comprehend and answer simple questions, then yes, absolutely. We want to ask those same sort of part probing questions that we talked about in past episodes. Something very simple like, honey, I told you not to grab things off the shelf. Are you obeying or are you disobeying? Asking them just this simple question helps them to take ownership for the sin that's in their hearts, which helps them to begin to understand their need for Jesus. And then we can take it a step further and ask, how does God want you to obey? And we want them to learn that God wants them to obey all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. And one thing I always like to say to my kids before administering loving, self-controlled discipline, and you guys are going to hear me say this a million times, just like my kids heard me say it a million times, I would say, honey, I love you too much to allow you to disobey. I love that, Ginger. And I do want to add here that we also pray with our children after we've administered discipline. Mm -hmm. So honestly, this keeps our hearts in the right place as we're shepherding their hearts. It's super hard to act out in anger with our kids, knowing we're going to be praying with them immediately following it. So that time of prayer softens their hearts, but it also softens our hearts. Mm, So in the case of that mom who had her friend escort the child home, I think the most important part of that entire interaction would be how the mom responded to her son once she got back home. So did she scold him? Did she guilt trip him about how much he inconvenienced her and her friend? Or did she ask just in a matter of fact way how he planned to pay for his babysitter, which again is genius, and Mm -hmm. then lovingly pray with him to ask God to give him self-control and an obedient heart. I think so much of the outrage against any form of discipline, you know, probably just stems from this view that it alienates us from our children. But when it's done lovingly, biblically, and with self-control, you know, my husband and I have found the exact opposite to be true. Mm, Same here, Katie. Absolutely. Well, that's all for part one of this episode. Tune in next week as we give you four more excuses parents give to excuse disobedience. Do you have a parenting question? Well, we invite you to submit it at gingerhubbard.com slash askginger, and we'll do our best to answer it in a future episode. And while you're on the website, you can find our show notes, which will include links to anything we mentioned in today's episode. While you're on gingerhubbard.com, you can find Ginger's wonderful resources that will help you get to the heart of outward behavior and address it from a biblical perspective. Today, we're offering her audio series called Reaching the Heart of Your Child, which is available in CD format or in a digital download at a 10% discount when you use the code parenting at gingerhubbard.com. 
Also, give your mom friends the gift of encouragement this Mother's Day. Since Mother's Day is right around the corner, we're offering a bundle deal on Ginger's Wise Words for Moms charts where you can get an extra 10% off the already great deal of buy one, get one free. So we already have that special on the website. You get an extra 10%. Again, just enter the word parenting at gingerhubber.com for that extra 10% off. Wise Words for Moms makes great inexpensive gifts for your mom friends who are wanting to reach the hearts of their kids, as well as churches who are looking to do a little something special uh, for the moms in their congregations this Mother's Day. Oh, and don't forget about the big giveaway Ginger's doing on Instagram. Just go and follow her at ginger.hubbard. Thank you for joining us today. We look forward to being with you again next week. Until then, may God bless you as you seek to reach the hearts of your children for the glory of God. Once upon a time, there was a homeschooling mom named Shoparella who had a problem. She loved buying shiny new books, all the books, and she especially loved buying new curricula for her mice. This isn't a perfect analogy, but just hang with me. Unfortunately, she sometimes spent money on books and curricula that just didn't fit. Kind of like trying to shove a glass slipper on her stepsister's janky feet. But what Shoparella really needed was a team of fairy curriculum consultants named Janice, Deanne, Sarah, Gina, Ruth, and Judy. Yes, these are their real names to help her make good curriculum choices. Thankfully, Shoparella found Rainbow Resource Center. Rainbow Resource Center is a family-owned business serving the homeschool community since 1989. Basically, they've been around since uh, Shoparella was very, very young. Even if you don't homeschool, Rainbow Resource Center is a wonderful place to get educational gifts for kids of all ages. You can sort their huge catalog of resources by grade and by subject to get the best educational products for your family. But hurry, because on the stroke of 12, everything will be as it was before, meaning you can get their great prices all day every day at rainbowresource.com. Again, that's rainbowresource.com and get free shipping on orders over $50 and live happily ever after the delivery truck arrives.